and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we pray that Thou control and guide those in authority to the end that Thy people may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty, and Thy gospel may be proclaimed in all the world. We thank Thee that Thy beloved Son, although in the form of God, humbled Himself, took the form of a servant, and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Thou hast therefore highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Teach us to praise him as we ought by righteous lives, 
and prepare us to enter thy glorious kingdom, we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, Blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. Greetings to our friends everywhere in all the world, and time for just one thrilling story gleaned from our Voice of Prophecy mailbag. In our letter for today, a husband writes to us telling of his wife's miraculous deliverance from death by asphyxiation. One day he says, while sitting at my office desk, I was suddenly impressed that my wife was in grave danger. I couldn't throw off the impression, try as I would, so I quietly bowed my head and earnestly prayed that God would keep her from harm. I hurried home and found she had been overcome by gas fumes and miraculously saved just in time by the providential call of a passing saleswoman. When I asked this lady why she happened to call at our home just when she did, she replied, there's something awfully strange about it. When I started work this morning, I intended to begin on another street altogether, but I found myself directly in front of your house. So I started walking to that other street again, or I thought I would, but once more I came right back to your house. Then I got mad at myself and commenced walking toward that street the third time, but again I came in some mysterious way right back to this place. So I decided that I would start work right here at your door. When no answer came to my knock, I walked in and found your wife lying prostrate on the floor. Fortunately, I knew how to give artificial respiration, and it wasn't long before she regained consciousness. Then the writer of our letter continues, when I questioned this lady concerning the time when she called at our door, I found that it was at the exact time that I was praying there at the desk in my office. This experience convinced me that there is a God who answers prayer. And we add, why do not all of us pray more when we have such never-failing help in Jesus? What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to Oh, 
thank you, King's Heralds, for that song of courage. And now, the voice of prophecy with a Bible message for today, our divine Savior. Christ is our divine Savior. The scriptures proclaim it, and the angel of God announced it to the world when he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This record is found in Luke 2, verse 10 and onward. The real subject of the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is Christ. He is the Word of God with the Father in the creation of the world. He is Christ our Savior who died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is our Lord Jesus Christ who bears the true testimony Surely I come quickly. As far as the Bible is concerned, Christ is all and in all, the grand subject of divine revelation. Did you ever think of the meaning of the names of the places connected with Christ's earthly life? He was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and he said, I am the bread of life. He grew up in Nazareth, the place of shrubs or sprouts and he was to grow up as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 11.1, 1, that there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And at last he agonized in Gethsemane, the oil press. There also prophecy was fulfilled, for the disciples slept as he trod the wine press alone. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? That was the question Jesus asked of men in his day, and I ask it now of you. What do you think of him? Was he a good man or was he the God-man? Was he man only, however good, or was he divine? Let me say here with all reverence that if he was not God, he was not even good. For he said to the young man who called him good master, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Matthew 19:16. So the question is, do we have a divine Savior? What do we think of Christ? Our conduct toward him will always be determined by what we believe as to his identity. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Everything depends upon what we think of Jesus Christ. When we settle that question, we settle our eternal destiny. First of all, what do we think about Christ's birth? We open the prophecy of Isaiah and find these words, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, 14. The word sign is very significant in this particular place. It has three letters. The first letter is Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The last is Tal, the last letter in that same alphabet. These two letters are joined by the middle letter Vowel, used as a sign of the conjunction and. So reading the letters of this word sign in Isaiah 7:14, we have the phrase Aleph and Tau, the same as Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Turn now to Isaiah 9:6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Notice the exact wording of this great prophecy. A child is born, a son is given. He was already God's son before he was born in Bethlehem. For according to the prophecy of Micah 5 and 2, his goings forth had been from of old, from everlasting. 
Now read the fulfilled prophecy in Matthew 1, 18 to 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is the plain statement of the Bible, so we can't deny the virgin birth without denying the Bible. Someone may say, well, it's not scientific. If it were scientific, it would belong to the realm of the natural, but the virgin birth of Christ was not natural. That's just the point of greatest emphasis in the Bible record. It was a supernatural event. The fact that it was not scientific is the greatest proof of its truth. The creation of the world by God is not scientific, but the Bible teaches it. It belongs to the supernatural. The creation of man from the dust of the ground is not natural, not scientific. But the Bible states it as a fact. The fall of man is not natural, not scientific. The resurrection of Christ is not scientific in that sense. His ascension to heaven is not scientific. His second coming is not scientific. None of these things are scientific in the sense of being natural. That is, my friends, they're not in the order of nature. They're supernatural. So the virgin birth is supernatural, not natural. And this is conclusive proof that it is miraculous and true. What think ye of Christ's birth? It was as unlike all others as he himself is different from all others. What think ye of Christ as a boy? At the age of 12, we find him in the temple, amazing the learned theologians with wisdom they had never heard before. And to his parents' question as to why he'd remain in Jerusalem after the Passover feast, he replied, Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? Even at this early age, he was aware of his divine mission, and from perfect boyhood, he developed into perfect manhood. What think ye of Christ as a teacher? Great crowds listened as if spellbound to his words, and even the officers of the temple guard said, Never man spake like this man. During 1900 years, his teachings have never had to be revised. No one can improve on what he said. The common people heard him gladly, and they understood what he said. He taught as one that had authority, they said. What think ye of Christ's matchless character? He's the one perfect man, the crystal Christ. He challenged his most bitter enemies. Which one of you convicteth me or convinceth me of sin, he said. And they couldn't point to a single flaw in his life. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And even agnostics, skeptics, Followers of the non-Christian religions in modern times bear their testimony that Christ is the supreme character of the ages. Robert Ingersoll declared that Christ was the one perfect man, loftier in his teachings than Socrates, Plato, Mohammed, Moses, or Confucius. And to M.D. Landon, who edited the book Kings of the Platform and Pulpit, he expressed his regret for assaults on Christ, which he says he foolishly made in his early life. Contemplating his approaching death in exile on the island of St. Helena, Napoleon told his aide, General Bertrand, that the empires founded on force by Alexander the Great, Caesar, and himself had faded away, but that the empire of love founded by the carpenter of Nazareth was growing every day and that millions would gladly die for him. Mahatma Gandhi of India says that Christ was the greatest example of one who wished to give all, to withhold from none whatever their creed and that in Jesus' own life he stood nearest to God and most perfectly expressed the will of the Spirit of God. 
We know this testimony, Mr. Gandhi, is true. Yes, friends, in Earth's dark night, he is indeed the light of the world. A great teacher, the greatest teacher, but more, infinitely more than that, he is the Lord, our Savior. The fairest of all, the fair is he of God and man, the Son. prophetic names show it. He is called God. He is one with God. He is the express image of God, we read in Hebrews 1, 3. He is with God as creator, John 1, 3. He created wine from water. He multiplied a few fragments of food for the need of thousands. He had power over disease, over nature. Even the winds and the waves obey him. He had power over death, for Lazarus and others rose at his command. He is worshipped as God, and God never forbade such worship. He is the doer of things which only God can do. He is divine. He is the only begotten Son of God, according to the Scriptures. He has all power, Colossians 2, verse 10. What think ye of Christ? Is he not divine? Yes, a thousand times yes. He is our divine Savior. Like Thomas, not doubting but believing Thomas, we answer the great question, what manner of man is this with his words? My Lord and my God. It is said that once a Scottish preacher of a skeptical school closed his morning sermon with the words, virtue is so attractive that if it were to become incarnate and walk the world in human form, man would fall down and worship her. 
That evening another preacher occupied the same pulpit, a man with a Bible in his hand, and he said, referring to the statement of the morning, I'm very sorry to say that virtue did once walk the earth in human form, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. But instead of falling down and worshiping him, men crucified him and nailed him to a cross. It's true, the multitudes did reject him. But in the light of Calvary, some accepted him. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For many centuries, a lump of something, supposedly stone, lay in the clear brook in North Carolina. Men passing to and fro saw an ugly stone there, went along their way with no thought of it. One day a poor fellow passed by and saw a heavy stone, just what he needed to hold his door open. So he took it home. At last, a geologist stopped at the poor man's door and saw not a stone, not even a heavy stone, but a lump of gold, the largest piece of native gold ever discovered east of the Rockies. This man knew how to look. The others didn't. What do you see when you look at Jesus? Many people looked upon him. He was here on earth as a Galilean peasant and turned away. Some saw a prophet mighty in word and deed and stopped to listen, even followed him. Some saw the promised Messiah of whom all the prophets had written, and they worshipped him. Some saw him as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And they found in him the one altogether lovely, the fairest among ten thousand. What do you see in him? My friend, what do you see? Oh, now I see the crimson wave, the fountain deep and wide. Jesus, my Lord, mighty to save, points to his wounded side. I rise to walk in heaven's own light above the world unseen with heart made pure and garments white and Christ enthroned within the cleansing stream I see I see I plunge and now it cleanses to the joy of full and complete forgiveness. Salvation from sin has been wrought in his heart through faith in Jesus, and he's free. Here is the peace and freedom that will quiet all the troubles 
theories of the universe. In this cleansing fountain which has been opened by our Savior for the sin of the world is to be found salvation, friend, for you. Jesus will lift that load of guilt from your heart and make you free. Power to live for him is yours for the asking today. Have faith in God, whoever you may be. Have faith in God on land and on the sea. Have faith in God. He cares for you and me. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Oh, say to the rock that is higher than I, my soul in its conflicts and sorrows would fly. So sinful, so weary, thine thine would I be. unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.